Welcome to another episode of Dead Headspace. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined by my friend, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And joined by our other friend, Candace Nola. Say hello, Candace. Hello, Candace. And today, <laughs> that is guest host, uh, uh, John Bowden. Hello. And uh, we are talking to Chad Lutsky today. Say hello, sir. Hello. Uh, let's dive into it. What got you into horror? I don't have a cool answer because I, I, I've got a freakishly, freakishly good memory, like back to where I was like about three years old, maybe just before three. Holy shit. And um, even from as far back as then, I was just, there was like this strange obsession that I, I just like things um, darker. I liked the uglier toys and the, you know, the ones that had ghosts and monsters and stuff. It was just something I was drawn to. So I don't really have, I can't. I can't pick one thing. If, if the only thing I guess I guess I could pick would be that it was in my blood because my biological father was a a monster kid who was a huge fan of famous monsters of film land and uh, all the magazines that were popular back then, uh, comics uh, from the fifties and all that stuff. And um, I didn't know him until I was older, um, but. Uh, yeah, I guess we shared that thing. And I did run across his monster magazines in the attic at my grandma's house. And I used to just obsess over them. And my mom wouldn't let me bring them home. So I'd always want to be going to one of my grandma's house and sit there for hours and just stare at these pages. And um, yeah, it was just always there, man. My mom has a, she gave me the, this recording. She re, she did an interview of me when I was one, when I was, I think, five and one when I was seven. And I'm a and the one where I was five, she said, uh, she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I said, I wanted to be a blood and bone doctor so that I could see the blood and bones. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I never, I never made it. So I don't know. No, no blood and bone doctor for me. Jump out and jump in, sir. What are your instant thoughts of that? Oh, well, what got me into horror? No, of, uh, of Chad's answer. Uh, he's a weirdo. <laughs> I don't know what to say. John, <laughs> uh, go ahead. If you want to keep going, go ahead. If not, I got a comment from Bob Ford. Go ahead with Bob's. I don't really have much to add there. Said Chad recently cut his hair. Did he feel slightly less productive or weaker afterward? And Bowden, because I asked him if he had a question for either of you. He said, and Bowden, no, that little lamb chop will do just great. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's funny, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I think Bob gets more strength from his hair than than I do, maybe. But uh, no, I I felt more powerful as a matter of fact because my hair was too long. I cut I think seven inches, and then I waited a little bit longer, and then I cut like another seven inches, and it's still pretty long. So yeah, I no stronger than ever. You know what? I cut my hair myself. Um, which is something I've never done before, other than when I had dreads or a mohawk or, or I've shaved it bald before. Um, but I'd never cut it myself and I wanted to have layers. And Christina Osborne, I think is her last name, NW Reader, the, she does covers and stuff. Mm -hmm. She had cut her own hair. And I was like, that's so cool. I want my hair to look like that with like layers and stuff because mine mm -hmm. was just all one length. And, and, uh, so she sent me a video and I watched it and you put your hair in these two special ponytails and then you make two cuts and let your hair down and it's done. And it's the best haircut I've ever had. And it was free and it took two minutes. Shit. So thank you, Christina. Yeah. Shit. I just <laughs> wish I had hair. I'm just thinking, you know, all raise your hands if you thought that we were going to be doing, you know, DIY haircuts this early on in the episode. Yeah, you heard, heard it here first, man. I did not see it going that way. And then on the YouTube version, you'll see the tutorial. So stay tuned. Brennan, go ahead, buddy. Um, I'm interested in that whole idea of you kind of gravitating toward dark stuff. And especially, you know, and, and, and I wonder if as you kind of got older, if it stayed geared towards monsters or if the dark stuff went in a different direction. Cause when I think of Chad Lutsky writing, it's dark, man. Like it's, it's dark. It's, it's, it's a lot of times it's, uh, takes you to an unhappy place. Um, but at the same time, 
it doesn't always gravitate toward that kind of supernatural aspect. So I wonder what kind of, you know, took you from the darkness to where, you know, you eventually wanted to tell stories. I think a lot of it had to do with, um, like, visually, I like, you know, stuff like Evil Dead and Dead Alive and, and supernatural stuff. Um, but uh, I like when I'm reading, and in particular when I'm writing, I like to do stuff that's a little bit more based in real life, like things that could happen, not necessarily have, but but uh, things that could happen. And I um, I think that that comes from um between uh, I, I, in my in my uh late teens and early 20s i went through some really traumatic stuff one incident in particular that i think probably um is why uh, i have some of the the thoughts that i do as far as uh um just you know the the topics that i choose to write about that are they're based in real life but they're um they're horrific, not not necessarily like horror, or adjacent, I guess, or literary dark. I, I don't know what you would call it. Um, I've just Lutsky always, stories. Yeah, I get. I I've just always kind of marketed it as horror because I didn't know anybody else, and these this is like my tribe. So um, I know there's a wider audience out there, but I'm thankful that the people who enjoy, you know, more traditional horror, enjoy the stuff that I do, as well. So. Absolutely. Um, now, what one thing that kind of got me thinking, I remember when you wrote Wormwood with Tim Meyer, he would talk about how he kept trying to gear it toward the supernatural and you, you know, kept yeah. slapping his hand back. Mm -hmm. um, and that got me thinking about collaborations. And, you know, I, you, you've, you've collaborated with a fair few people um, and they're all they're all fantastic and i wanted to talk to you about that and then hey look who showed up but mr john bowden so i'd love to hear the two of you talk a little bit about your experiences collaborating uh both with others but also together you want to start that story there chad okay um my first collaboration was with terry m west who's a fantastic writer and we did this uh, zombie novelette that is more about, it's way less about the zombies than it is uh, the, the, another story that's really going on. And that's one of the things that I liked about it. Um, that was my first thing. It was, it was like, I think we had like a kind of like, you know, we had like some ideas and then we just threw the ball back and forth. And then the next time I, I did a collaboration was with um, John. And uh, when we were out behind the barn, he had sent me a story called Maggie's Farm. It was like 3,500 words, if that, maybe. Um, That's about right. Yeah. And uh, I really liked it a lot, but thought that it was um, uh, too short. I thought it was just super special and he needed to turn it into a book. And it kept getting rejected and he was sending it out again. And I said, I hope it gets rejected again because I don't I don't want anybody to buy this story and then just be lost in some anthology that nobody's ever going to read except for the first month that's out or whatever. It's it's better than that. So it got rejected, thank God. And uh, I, I approached John very carefully because I knew... Because I'm kind of a dick. No, I just knew that this story meant a lot to him because um, it had like a lot of his mom in there and it's a really touching like uh, the the ending, just I don't cry. I cry easy when I'm watching movies. I don't cry at all when I'm reading. But that story, um, the ending of that, made me tear up. And uh, I read it twice. And so anyway, I threw some ideas at John, and he liked them. And then so we, yeah, we added another whatever it was to fifteen thousand words to it or whatever. And and then um, with Tim, uh, he had a story. He had heard me on This Is Horror podcast uh, years back talking about what an a-hole I was in my younger years and all the trouble that I would cause and get into. And he said he wanted to write a book based on something like that. And I said, cool, go for it. Let me know when you're done. And then a couple months went by and he's like, well, actually, do you want to write with me? 
And I said, sure. And so uh, we wrote Wormwood. Um, it changed a lot from it, it didn't, it wasn't the same book. And yeah, he kept trying to do the supernatural stuff and I would just take it out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and then I collaborated with um, John and Bob Ford a little bit um, on our own separate novellas. And then just recently, John and I wrote one of the best, easily one of the best things we've both written. Uh, it's fantastic. I, I love it. it took man. it took almost three years, at least. I don't think it took that long. We started yeah. that in uh, February of 2020, and we finished that when, like, January of this year. Yeah, that's that's. I'm bad at math, but I think that's pretty close to three years. <laughs> I, thought we, I thought we started in 2021, but you might be right. Uh, I think we both got busy with all kinds of stuff. Um, we could always blame COVID, I guess, maybe. Um, but I don't know. Life uh, gets in the way sometimes. It's just how it goes. Yeah, but that book is um, it's it's me and John. There's no surprises as far as like um, you, you know what you're getting into. You're gonna cry. You're gonna you're gonna. It's just the prose is great. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I sent it to um, Crystal Lake because Joe Meinhardt had reached out to me. And said <clears throat> he really loved the Pale White. It's one of, I think it's one of his favorite books that he's ever published. And so he wanted something from me again. I said I didn't have anything done, but I'm writing something with John. What if we send it when we're done? And and he loved it and got back with us. And so we signed with him, and that will be out. I think the January, the beginning of yeah, uh, 2024. And it's nice. called The Bed Makers, and it's uh, it's not it's not horror. It's a crime thriller with the um yeah that's uh got a lot of heart in it and it's a novel it's a full-length novel too. it's long it's long for us yeah candace jump in jump in um okay so with all the um all of the stories that you have now um which one do you, not which one, were there any that you had to kind of like stop and take a break from because of how it went? Like, did any of them put you into a frame of mind that you just wanted to take a break from? Um, I, I did want to take a break, but I didn't. Uh, probably with stirring the sheets, um, just to be in that headspace of being, you know, the guy loses his wife. Um, I saw a lot of myself in in him and his reaction to it. Uh, and I didn't like being there for very long. And then maybe Wallflower, just because some of the research I had to do uh, was really sad to me. Um, yeah. And it was a time where my, my hometown was just being, everybody was just ODing. Um, we had like 60 ODs, like deaths um, within like a month. And they had run out of all the, what is it, Narcan? They had run out of all that. Um, and that was my response to that, to seeing heroin become like this designer drug that you would just hear about jazz musicians doing or, um, or people, you know, Sid Vicious or something, you know, in London. And here it is, it's everywhere now. Um, you know, and you never know what's in it. So, yeah, doing doing the research, watching videos of people nodding off and talking about it and then visiting forums where they openly talk about their use and how they do it and don't use this tinfoil because you need to use uh, this type of tinfoil or else it's going to do this to your lungs. And I'm like, are you guys hearing yourselves? You know, you're doing heroin. No, what, what do you care what kind of tinfoil you use or what side of the tinfoil are you you're using? You're killing yourself anyway. Yeah. So it was really, really sad. So both those books, I, I couldn't, particularly Sheets, I could not wait to be done with. Yeah. Okay. Um, along those same lines, are there any that you might want to rewrite now? compared to the way that you had written it then? 
like anything that you would change or that you feel maybe didn't quite come across the way that you wanted it to? Um, that's a good question. Not really. I mean, I kind of did that when I put my first short story collection out. I did what most people do and they they just want something for their shelf. You know, they want to have that first book out and I put it out myself and I really don't like that collection at all. Um, I, it just, the stories in it, there's a lot of supernatural stories in there and there's, it's not that the stories are bad. They're just more like little Twilight Zone episodes. Okay. Um, John can attest to the fact that I have a completely different writer than that collection. Yep. Um, so I went through and I did a revised and expanded edition and I and I included like three or four more stories that I was more proud of. And then I, I went through and I cleaned up uh, to make them more like Chad 2.0, you know, make them yeah. have more of my, my voice that I eventually finally found. So yeah. I did do that because it was self-pubbed and it was, you know, it was okay to do that. And I, I have encouraged another author to do that before. Um, because I didn't tell him his book sucked, but it did. And and he was asking for advice about stuff like that. And um, I was like, dude, you self-published it. Do it again, you know? Do it, if, yeah. if you don't want, if you want a different cover, do, you know, re people rebrand all the time. They sure. can, I've seen uh, people rebrand, get new, um, you know, do rewrite rewrites, get a new cover, like uh, an, an adequate cover. Um like a series or something like that. And um, it just blows up after that because, you know, they finally have something that people want to read and that people start talking about. So, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I don't, the thing with my writing is I try not to read it after, after you know, it's out and everything because I will rewrite, rewrite. I'll, I'll find things yeah. constantly. I do that with paintings too. It's like, I don't even like to hang my own paintings up because I'm like, ah, I could, you know, I want to take it down and add some more paint or something. <laughs> like that. Feels like it's never finished. So, got it. Okay. Got another. <clears throat> Sorry, Candice, I didn't want to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. Got another. Uh, one more thing from Bob Ford. He says, uh, "Ask Lutsky about his titles too. He's a big The Cure fan and wonder how much song lyrics play into how he writes ideas." etc and uh he said that's where the same deep water as you came from uh cure song yeah that that whole book the same deep water as you is based on um uh a, a winter and a summer in my life and about 90 percent of it is true but i i uh fictionalized some parts and um you know, kind of made it more dramatic. And I thought that it would make for a cool story, but I wrote it for me. And I thought if people enjoy it too, that's fine, but I want this. And um, the reason why I called it Same Deep Water As You is because the soundtrack for that time, um, The Cure's Disintegration album might be my favorite album of all time. I love The Cure. And that was the year that I discovered them. And it wasn't me that who was listening to it. It was with my best friend at the time, who was this girl. And we would drive around all over the place and hang out and go skateboarding. And um, we, she always had disintegration on playing like in the background. So it wasn't until our kind of friendship ended that she, um, that that I was like, man, I, I miss that record, you know? And then I realized what an impact. So now, even today, when I, Put the record on or hear any of those songs it takes me back to that year um and it's such that's probably why it's one of my favorites i mean it's, it's just a great record anyway but um it's a good, perfect record yeah, it's a good album yeah and so i sprinkled some lyrics uh throughout uh all of the chapters are named for uh, you know a song from the album and then yeah some of the dialogue is actual lyrics um, just a few, in a few spots and i made it as organic i, I would have put more but i wanted it to be super organic you know, I didn't want it to look, I have a hard time with uh, people who put pop culture references in their stories. Like the guy walked out and he had his Metallica shirt on and I, something knocks me right out of the story. I know that people like to do that, but for some reason, um, you know, if I was writing that, I would just say his band shirt. 
I don't something about those specifics that knock me out of there. So I don't I try to if it, if they are in there like that, I try to make them as organic as possible so that nobody rolls their eyes and they're like, oh geez, he's just trying to mash a bunch of pure stuff in here. And so but yeah, um I think that's the only book that I named from us. I mean, I have some short stories. Uh one called Um Here in This Place is a Means to an End, which is uh Misfits lyrics from the song Green Hell. And um, so I do that kind of stuff once in a while. Sometimes it prompts ideas, uh, song lyrics and stuff. Does anyone want to jump in? Anything to add to either the cure, Chad's writing? Chad in general. Um, I'm actually on the music thing, you know, uh, because you're a musician, um, do you have trouble writing to music like i know some people can only write to instrumental stuff some people enjoy having stuff with lyrics on but you know a lot of times when i talk to other musicians they'll say well i can't have anything on because it's it's just it's firing off a part of my brain that kind of contradicts the writing dude that's you nailed it yes that is me i can't i mean i can listen to some music uh, some movie soundtracks I can't listen to anything, any music that I really, really enjoy or any kind of like rock or anything because I'm, I'm listening to the instruments. I'm, I'm picking out, you know, whether it's something that I'm familiar with or not familiar with, my mind is on the music because I love music more than writing and more than reading. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm dissecting it instead of paying attention to what I'm doing. Well, I'm glad I can't play an instrument then. <laughs> I, I, listen, that... I listen to music all the time what do you listen always to, typically whatever today i was listening to like spade cooley which is like 1943 country swing oh, yeah, and then i was and then i was listening to billy squire okay and then i, I was like listening billy. to zz top and then i was listening to some bowie it's just i just put on whatever i'm right there with you man candace i don't know if i asked you this before do you write with music on um i have but usually not um if i'm if i have to be in a certain frame of mind to write a specific part then yeah i will like a fight scene an action scene something really intense i'll usually have something on that's very intense in the background like metallica or something really like to rage out against because it puts me in that space hmm. other than that no hmm. I, I have to write with like nothing just total silence unless i need to be like in that frame of mind so yeah. uh brennis lead us into the conversation of three mile smile okay let's talk about three mile smile three That's smile <laughs> Did you did you make a title like that to just fuck with people? Is that <laughs> that I had to concentrate saying that. Dude, so did I. For the first probably 20, 30 times I said it. I said it just like everybody else they says it. I've been on podcasts where it's said 20 times and they never got it right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean no, I just I get I, I named it that just because of what happens basically at the at the beginning and then it's kind of comes full circle at the end but did tim levin have any influence on your character named cake because that man's obsessed with cake uh no no fair enough nice easy no yeah. um i, I want to kind of talk about you know you mentioned earlier that you almost kind of self put your work into horror at least horror adjacent just because those are your people and obviously this this and things like neon owl really kind of take a trip outside of that so as far as, you know, you declaring this a cat and mouse um, caper or cat and mouse novel, um, what what are a lot of the influences that kind of drove you into this story? Uh, Joe Lansdale. Um, That's fair. <laughs> I can blame him for a lot of how I write. And I can blame John, too. Um, I've picked up on a lot of... John is... John is uh, one of, my prose is better because of John, because I started reading him and picked up on some things. Um, I don't write as poetic as he does, but I, I uh, once in a while I'll do a, 
a Bodenism, you know, in there. Um, I should patent that term. But I'm not a I'm not a big crime uh, reader. I mean, I've written or I've read some, um, but I've read a lot of Lansdale, and I just like uh, Lansdale. I mean, you guys probably read enough of him to know he's just like a he's such an easy read. And I love for first person. I love writing in first person. Um, it makes I, I just feel like it makes a story go smooth. It makes you feel like you're more like you're there, like it's more urgent, um, like you're really being told something that happened. Um, and it's for me, it's just easy to write uh, way easier than third person. So, um, yeah, uh, believe it or not, um, another writing influence that I almost forgot about and then until I saw somebody else recently had the same writing influence that I've never heard anybody have a influence by this writer. But Henry Rollins, I, I bought a book called Ice Cream one time in the 90s. And it's just like vignettes of not really stories, just observations or you don't know if this this these things happened in his life or what, but they're all kind of abruptly cut off to where it gives you a bigger punch. And then just this paragraphs, it's like paragraphs. Sometimes the stories or whatever you want to call them, the vignettes are pages long, and sometimes it's a paragraph. And they're all of these things out of context. And the way that some of these abruptly end, it's kind of like a, a really well edited um. Uh, movie or uh, uh, sometimes the only reason why we laugh in a certain scene is because it's abruptly cut and it makes the context just funnier and more uh, um, random mm -hmm. and so uh, I, I do some of that a little bit in, um, and I just like punchy stuff and quick clean prose I'm not a big description guy probably because I don't don't like reading it, it I don't understand some of it. I'm reading a book right now and I'm like, well, why are you talking about this room? I don't care. <laughs> I think by default, if you say I walked into, you know, the, the, the police station, immediately by default, you have an image in your head. And then when it's described to you, you've got to break out of that, which can potentially kind of pull you a little bit out of the story and now you've got to force your mind into a different image. And unless it really, you really need it for the story, I just, I don't understand uh, description sometimes. I just don't, uh, that, you know, so many of my books, I don't even describe the characters. They could be black, they could be white. Um, you just don't really even know. I don't see the importance of it. Unless it, unless it, you know, it is important. You know, I have a book coming out that has a, a black character and you for sure need to know that, that that's his race. So, um, yeah, I don't know why, how I got it. Is that answering question or did I just, did I just take a left turn and start rambling? Right down the highway. Now, um, speaking of Bodenisms now, uh, am I wrong or is there a nice little Stark Spungunion reference pretty early on in that book? Yes. Yes. Yeah, there is. <laughs> that's absolutely one of my favorites. Um, john's book there um i'm glad somebody right. likes it yeah hey at <laughs> least one a lot of um, like no that. seriously everybody should read that book it's a fantastic one that's um, another hard one to say though the yeah. title did, did i get it right john huh? did i yes, get it right it's spun gunion yep suck it pat um so <laughs> anyways um i want to talk more about kind of uh you, you were talking about in a way pacing in a way starkness and i one thing i wanted to ask you about is the bulk of your work is at that around 100 pages novella length and it just it reminds me for all the world of like a 90 minute movie and i wonder if that's a consideration and 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 i think you know uh 3 mile smile uh absolutely has that going on the just like get you in hit the gas pedal and we're just, you know, no, no filler um, attitude. And I wonder if that's a consideration when you sit down to in as much as you plan out a book, plan out a book. Um, not really. I think it's just me and how I perceive things and, and what I like, you know, we all kind of take our, 
if you're a, if you're if Stephen King is like mainly who you read, um, then you're going to have probably big books with tons of description, 400 more pages than you really need, that kind of thing. And I, I love Stephen King. I'm not I'm not this, but we all know, you know, he he could use a, a, a stronger editor. But anyway, um, the uh, I no, I think it's just like um, how I see things. Uh, I I I don't. I guess I suppose normally someone would start Three Smile Mile with a big background thing on cake. Maybe he's not even at work yet. And then um, you see more of, uh, um, uh, what's her name, Diane with her husband. And there's a whole story, you know, like another hundred pages of all this. I guess, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, maybe uh, I'm a little uh, ADHD when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I'll read it and I'll watch it in a movie and it doesn't necessarily bore me but i think it bores me to write it i want to get to kind of the meat of it i want to drop drop it in and um give you enough to um uh, enjoy the characters and um you know let's get going without i, I never want to like overstay my welcome you know uh, we've all read books where it's like man that was a great book but i think maybe it did overstay its welcome a little bit you know if it was movies too i mean my gosh movies these days <clears throat> so many are <clears throat> they're not 90 minute movies anymore they're you know tacking on another hour um and much of the time that a lot of that can be cut out so hey, i'm, I'm kind of with you on that it's like i have this bad habit you know whether it's whether there's some imposter syndrome in there or whatever of just being petrified of you know well, what if i get bored because if i get bored like the the reader doesn't stand a damn chance mm -hmm. um and i think that i think that absolutely like approaching telling a story with that attitude um be it positive or negative is such an a big impact on 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 the pacing um you know and for the, for what it's worth that the, the uh you know the story never drags so i mean if that's if that's what you're going for, then you know, mission accomplished. Yeah, it was just a just a short, quick. I mean, the the idea of the story was so spontaneous anyway that, um, you know, I I came up with it trying to sell a book cover, and I just commented on. I think it was Tim McGregor said something like, "This looks like a Lansdale book." I said, "It does. It looks like." And and then I just typed out essentially this, this synopsis for Three Smile Mile. It looks like this is what would be in its pages. And then I hit reply. And then like, I looked at it like a, an hour later or whatever. I was like, dang, man, I'm writing that book. So I took the <laughs> cover off my website and off Instagram and off Twitter. And uh, I wrote the book and, and, and put it out. John, I want to throw an unfair question at you. You ready? Okay. I would love for you to talk about a favorite Lutsky book and why. My favorite of his is Skullface Boy. I and I can't, really, where you're going. I, I can't really <laughs> explain why I connect with that one like I do, but it's, I think it's perfect. I, I mean, I, I love everything that he's let me read. I get to read it before anyone else does usually, but that one, that one is still and has been my favorite since I first read it because it tacks into a, I like stuff that you can tell it's personal, no matter how, hard and clever we try to make it not seem like it is and uh that one's just you can you can tell that that's that's very personal stuff in there and it and it just it resonated well with me yeah i, I just recently read that one for the first time and it's it, and it's it, surreal it for of, no reason like you just yeah. i love weird shit that you just hey this is how it is no explanation really like this dude's yeah. got a skull face for no real reason here we go <laughs> and I love that. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's it's that's not necessarily you know that's not the journey. the 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 journey is the journey. Yeah. Um, it, it, and one thing that I love about that book are the small moments that add up big, like the trick yep. to the trip to Rainbow Ricks, um, <laughs> the imp the impromptu yard sale, um, and you know, especially with like Rainbow Rick, which is such a touching part of the book and i don't think it lasts more than eight pages but they're um, all so important to the story 
it's almost like he's on like a, an Argonaut quest and he's mm. getting and he's getting artifacts like, you know, the mm. yard sale, he gets the wallet, the bookstore, he gets this book. And it's like it just feels like a journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's still my favorite. So, Chad, in regards to that, I mean, do you have any considerations for packing a lot of character into a small space? Um, Again, I'm thinking of like, you know, the trip to the bookstore. There's just so much in those in the, the, those few short pages. No, because I because I pants everything. Um, I never know how big of a part a character is going to play. Uh, in the example would be in Neon Owl. Um, there's a character in the name Roddy, who is everybody's favorite character. And initially he was supposed to just be this weird drunk that showed up one night and then we never see him again. Um, turns out that's the first time Roddy has ever been drunk in his life and he only has one leg and now he's the handyman and now he's just kind of a sidekick partner and it just worked so well. Um, and, uh, with Skullface Boy, um, I don't, I mean, seriously, that, that thing was so, uh, so absolutely pain. I mean, I pants everything, but that was probably the most pants out of it. The pantsiest, would you say? Yes, the pantsiest. Um, and it, it was uh, it was prompted by uh, Google traffic because I was taking a literal go uh, uh, road trip through Google traffic from Denver to Hermosa Beach. And so some of the stories in there were prompted by pictures, uh, which is a lot of fun. And uh, pictures that I really saw on, on um, not really people, but... Uh, just um, and then I'm a huge David Lynch fan, so I wanted to add some just kind of weird, um, you know, like the guys like the guy says his legs don't work, and just you know at the at the yard sale and things like that. Where if you watch movies like Wild at Heart, there there are Wild at Heart is a, a fairly for David Lynch is a pretty straightforward movie. So is Blue Velvet, but there are small parts in there that are straight up like more like Twin Peaks or eraser head where it's just like what does this even mean it's, it's so weird that this is here right now and that's what i wanted for Skullface boy but then i also wanted it to be really endearing um and i and i'm a i don't i'm not a big fan of bizarro but i do like taking something bizarre i do like the idea of having like, like john said this is just how it is you're not getting an explanation this is just this is it just accept by, it and go and that, that's, that's why it wins yeah so, John, Chad said that your prose influenced him. Is there anything and no silly answers ever from you again, sir? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're John voted. So, anyways, is, <laughs> is there anything that Chad has done in his writing that has uh, influenced you as a writer? Um, <laughs> character interaction, I would say, because he's very good at like very realistic interaction with his characters. And I often struggle with that like i have very small cast of characters in my stuff like very rarely is there ever more than like three or four main people and i very rarely have them interact together because i just get too overwhelmed with more than two people talking or doing anything <laughs> but i i've i've learned a lot from reading his interact how the way he makes his characters interact and the way he does action like when actiony things happen because i'm not good with that either freaking hate action so but, thank you for that but, but like three mile smile was like i was like wow this is how you write this stuff so i took notes in my brain that i probably lost but i took them yeah that that neon owl definitely has like lansdale pumping through your vein those books veins i don't that's the best imagery i'm giving you guys for the night i don't know books don't have veins okay they, quit. they do have spines <laughs> <laughs> oh, should have rolled with that oh <laughs> uh, yeah but anyway seriously it has super big heavy influences of at least i took it as a of a lansdale in there and i'm just thinking of when neon owl you have a guy that is uh shitting in one section of a bush and uh the way you describe <laughs> how he picks it up and throws it it, it definitely seemed like something joe would write um, there's no question there, but if there was one or two things you want people to know of 
neon owl or three mile smile what what would you pitch to them to try to get them to be a uh, reader uh first thing i would say about uh the three smile mile is that it's called three smile mile and then the second i'm just i'd, I'd feel worse if john didn't get it wrong too uh, yeah, I, I mean, he, he did it nobody's getting it right but, and that's so fine. sorry chad wait, I, wait, i'm looking I... on my notes i literally wrote it down wrong so wait what did i say <laughs> so is it possible that you're wrong <laughs> you said three mile smile too you've all been saying it wrong. three smile mile it's yeah. three smile mile. oh shit yeah. i'm sorry it's, uh, dude, I'm just messing. It does not bother me at all. Um, I would, I would uh, say that um, first, what comes to mind really is is with the neon owl. If you read the synopsis about you know trying to find out who's shitting in the bushes, that is not the whole case. That's not the you know the whole case that goes down at neon owl. There's a murder mystery here. So if you're not into poo poo humor. Um, then that might turn you off. But you lured a, us in with shitting in the bushes. Yes. So it is important. Yes. That's kind of my way of saying, you like Lansdale? I got some of that in here. So, um, yeah, so that's not, it's, it, it gets more serious. We've got some murder going on. Um, it, it is a whodunit. So, and then, uh, I mean, Three Smile Mile, uh, John said recently that that, that was me. I, I don't know how he worded it, but like that was that would you say john like that like that was oh it was the leanest thing you've written i think i said yeah but but it sounds like i had found my voice even more or this was my thing yeah i don't remember what i said i don't know it was was a long time ago and i can't remember like that yeah this is what i'm best at or something like that and i would agree i i i mean there are a handful of books the books that i had the most fun writing and that I think are the most well-written are probably my uh, least popular ones. Like uh, Skullface Boy, uh, The Same Deep Water as You, uh, two of my, probably my top two favorites. And then, um, but I really had fun with Three Smile Mile. I like the way that that, um, that, that, that voice is. Um, I just, again, first person, but there's a kind of a crimey, right? There's a kind of a, a way that you need to write crime that's kind of i mean you don't have to but it's the way that i like it and they're just where there are very short sentences sometimes um things aren't spelled out like in the first page it says something about uh bees stinging is I, I can't remember but it's just like i revert back and just instead of reiterating it's more of just like breaking it down again into like a single word or something so the reader knows what i'm talking about and I love trusting the reader. And that's the way that I like to read. And that's the way I like to write. I, I Nothing will make me put a book down faster than uh, an author who doesn't trust me enough to know. I know what you're talking about. And you don't have to break out the crayons for me. So I tried not to, you know, I don't, I don't, need, I don't want to leave this trail of breadcrumbs. Or I want the, I want to trust them, and if they don't get it, um, well, the book's not for them, I guess. But um, spoon uh, feeding I, your reader, yeah, I agree with that. I don't like, I don't care for that shit either. Yeah, I, I the, the books that I love the most are just, uh, yeah, where they, I, I, I was reading uh, Laird Barron's, um, the heck is this, Blood, Blood Standard. Yeah, blood standard. So that's so good. And that's a prime example of um, I mean, if you haven't read crime before, particularly uh-huh. somebody like uh who wrote who wrote uh um glitter, not glitter, glitz. Oh uh is that Ray Garton? No Glitz is uh, uh Elmore Leonard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Elmore Leonard. If you've never read Elmore okay. Leonard before, um uh or Larry Barron with this with this thing you could maybe get confused with the lingo and the the way that this is written but talk about an example of trusting a reader um to know what's going on and you know being fairly lean but I don't know that I would want anyone to say to anyone that I want to know about uh either of those books that to bring them in other than if you like crime and humor 
and Lansdale, then you'll like Neon Owl. And if you just like Lansdale, you probably like Three Smile Mile too. Not everything that Lansdale's written, uh, it, you know, Cold in July, not all of it's funny. You know, some of it's pretty serious, but uh, Three Smile doesn't have any any humor in it. But I like writing crime. I like it more than, I think I like it more than maybe horror. Hmm. Ennis, uh, you got anything else? I was going to say, since we're along the lines of which ones would you want to pitch, um, if somebody was new to you, which would you recommend that they start with and what would you recommend as the last one that they read? Um, the last one I would want you to read is my first collection, Night as a Catalyst. <laughs> okay. Um, um, first one probably I, I, the, the gate best gateway would probably be like a foster homes and flies or stirring the sheets or maybe even the pale white. Okay. Um, those are good examples of. But I have, my newest short story collection has uh, really nasty, grotesque stuff in it, and it has uh, really funny stuff. It has a story that's not horror at all about uh, well about the horrifying nature of getting your first kiss when you're a teenager. That's one of my favorite stories I've written. And then it has some really heartfelt, emotional, dark horror that's like, you know, stirring the sheets or the pale white or something like that. It's full of everything that I do. And it's, it's, uh, I'm proud of all of the stories. I don't think there's any filler in it. So if anybody wants to, unless you don't like short stories, there are people who don't, and I don't blame you, but um, short story collections don't really sell all that well. But uh, if you want to find out what it is that I'd like to write about, um, that's a good example. It's spinal remains. Yeah, I was about to ask. Okay. Brennan? Oh, yeah, Brennan. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that we brought up, uh, recently you jumped into writing children's books with your wife. I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, it's something I've always kind of wanted to do. And then uh, um, I have, I don't know how much I should say here, but um, screw it. I, I've really grown tired of the horror scene, um, the people in general. And <laughs> uh not everybody. I've got some really dear friends. It's, it's a lot of people I don't really know, you know, it's just Twitter. And Twitter is like this demon that I have to feed to try to sell books. You know, I keep my mouth shut on it and stuff. I don't know why more people don't keep their mouth shut. <laughs> and I don't understand a lot of the like high school antic stuff that goes on i'm probably gonna get myself in trouble but no I'm, um, I'm i'm laughing because i'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate to that that's all oh i know a lot of people and they they just keep quiet and what a lot of these people that don't that speak so loudly don't realize is how many people don't agree with them or are not on their side or uh don't like them or whatever you know from big name authors to so I don't understand, I, I just, the drama of it all, I guess is what I'm saying. I just don't, it's tiring. I'm, I'm too old for it. I don't like to see people fighting. I love people. Um, and I don't, I don't understand this uh, savage mentality that, that, that we have, that people have um, toward one another. And it doesn't even have any, sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with anything that's going on in the horror thing, in the horror circles. But just in the world in general, you know, um, if you have a different opinion, no matter what it is, you know, I Snickers sucks. I love Snickers. Well, you know, but anyway, so this kind of this is why I wrote Three Smile Mile and wanted to kind of, you know, hopefully find a different audience, even though I didn't actively search um that out I, I didn't like really mess around with ads and stuff and i've got a, a nice reader base i'm very grateful for everyone who reads my stuff some some wonderful people that i've met um through either writing or reading and uh the children's thing was kind of taking it a step further 
and I didn't want to use the pseudonym. And I love, I've collaborated with my wife before just doing art. Um, and we just like doing stuff together. So, um, uh, so we, um, decided to do a children's book and then we thought, well, let's do another one. And we planned on doing like, hopefully like seven before the year is up. And, um, I don't really, I'm not one of these writers who like writes because they feel like they have to write. Um, they have to, I mean, sometimes it feels like that, but I also, I want to make money. I want to have a career writing, you know, I'm not too far from retirement. So I want to, um, I want to be able to have a bunch of books out there that, um, can help out with retirement, you know, with royalties and whatnot. And, um, uh, yeah, so hopefully putting a bunch of children's books. I love, I've always loved the artwork in children's books. There's some gorgeous artwork in there. And so we tried to, um, you know, uh, come up with our own style for the first one. And just like with my book covers that I do, they're all different. You can't necessarily look at one book cover and, and then see another one and be like, oh, that's, that's, uh, let's keep. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with me being like, um, like there's some great artists, cover artists out there, but when you see their art on everybody's book, I don't want that cover artist and they're phenomenal, but I don't want their art on my cover because then my book looks like everybody else's book and there's, it starts to, so I've always tried to use a gazillion different, um, styles, uh, when doing book covers and we're doing that same uh, thing with um, children's books with doing different styles we just finished the second one it has a completely different style and then we started the third one and that has uh, another style too so it's like a ADD drawing or you know paint and illustration styles I don't know I just like that I get bored it's probably why I, I watch the different movies that I do, listen to the different music that I do, and write in all the different genres that I do because I just get bored of myself and I, I'm bored with genres and, you know, listening, watching, whatever. So, but yeah, it's been fun. I love working with my wife. Um, she doesn't know anything about the marketing aspect and stuff. So I'm trying to teach her a little bit about that because that's the hard, hard part is trying to get your book yeah, I knew some of my readers would buy it, whether they had kids or not. And that's what happened. But I want other people, you know, to um, who have kids to pick up copies and, and uh, read it to their kids before bed or whatever. Awesome. Um, I want to go back to the uh, how we interact with each other, specifically if there's new writers. I would like to hear from you because you've been doing this for a while. I'd like to hear you talk to them, tell them what, what's, what's a positive spin on it. How, what is something that you wish you heard? Because for me, something recently that I heard was like, you never know what um, potential agent or publisher or, you know, people you might want to work with maybe in the film industry. Um, is there anything that you wish that you were told working in social media uh as a writer that uh you would like to pass along to you know maybe a new writer listening um yeah i guess i guess just uh well, for, well don't compare yourself to others it's hard which is hard to do um but just don't do that unless you're talking about the writing itself you know uh, I, however you want to take that question it's kind no, I'm of saying, super I'm, I'm, ambiguous that's part, that's part of my advice like don't don't oh, compare okay. your don't compare your success to others um you can compare your writing to others i think that's important because uh especially if you're one of these writers who is surrounded by yes men and women you know uh, yes this is great and i love this son and and everything and really it sucks but they don't know how to tell you or they just don't see past the love that they have for you and um, and keep your head down and just um, while you're ignoring other people's successes and just trying to make it happen for yourself, uh, know that luck is a huge part of this. Um, uh, talent is, but so is luck. You, sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. The right the the book falls into the right hands at the right moment. Sometimes, um, 
lots of books get more success than they deserve. Um, and that's just the way it is, you know, just, um, but yeah. And just keep your head down. Don't, um, don't do too much research because that can pull away from your writing. And you think you're, it's like a way of fooling yourself until I'm writing a book. No, you're not. You're watching 30 Westerns uh, throughout the week and you're writing or reading two different Westerns every other day. And you're, because you're going to write a West, just write the Western. Not to say that there's not anything wrong with that, but you have to have the writing part be the majority of what you're doing. Because then that research part, it's kind of like the, uh, it's the mistake that can be made uh, when you, like I said, it sounds like you're busy because you're doing the research. Uh, when you really should just be writing, the research can come, you know, later. Like how how much was potatoes in 1866 did they even sell potatoes did they have mashed potatoes at the at the inns what were the inn restaurants what are those called you know just leave little marks for yourself to look that up later you don't need to memorize all of what's all of the you know wild west or whatever genre that you're you're writing um yeah just write man just uh was it ketchum who said you know ask to see and uh write S and C, right? Yeah, that's great yeah. advice. Um, anyone want to jump in before we start winding down? I was just going to say, and ninety nine percent of your readers aren't really going to give a shit whether or not you could get, you know, those potatoes in eighteen sixty six, or it wasn't yeah. until eighteen seventy three. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, try and get the details right, but it's 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 going to be you stressing over them half the time, way more than any reader, you know. Mm. Okay, That's all so, I had, Patrick. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> now, now we'll just go down to the uh, currently reading section. So we'll start with you, Chad. What are you currently reading? I'm reading a handful of books. Um, I'm reading, I, I just picked up uh, Dean Koontz's book because I hadn't read Koontz in maybe 25 years, hmm. something like that. Um, I'd stayed away from him just because, uh, you know, exploring uh, the indie world and stuff. Um, and read or stuff, you know, others I'd never heard of or never or heard of, but never read. Um, and I've always, I've only read like three Dean Koontz books and I loved all of them, but then I guess he started writing about dogs all the time. So people are staying away from him. So it's like, well, I'll go back earlier and I'll read Watchers from 87 and, and this won't have a dog in it. And it's the very first one I get. This is where it all starts with the, with the dog. So the golden retriever with the psychic abilities or something. So I've been reading that and, I, and I've been reading, um, finishing this up, uh, Paper Towns by John Green, which I bought used and it's a signed copy. So. Oh, wow. Who wrote That's the cult cool. in our stars. Excellent. John Bowden, what are you currently reading? Um, um, I am currently reading a collection by Oren Gray called Painted Monsters and something. I can't remember what the and something part is, but I love his stuff. I got I got to read and review his newest collections, and then I went back and bought his older collections. Nice. And that's that's what I'm reading, one of those. And then I think I have Lansdale's new one next in the pile. Oh, the uh, Donut Legion? Yeah. I, haven't, I didn't read that one yet. That's next. I that's a good one. Yeah, it's Lansdale. I mean, I, I, what a stupid comment, right? Right. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> Dennis, what are you currently reading? Um, I am about to finish the curator for Owen King's interview, and I just finished reading. I just lost the name of it. Damn it, it was in my head. Um, Come back. <laughs> God, I was just looking at it. Wait a minute. Um, a Dark Autumn by Christopher Rufty. I just got done with that. Nice. It's great. Um, and I have um, Pieces of Me by R.J. Rolls that I'm about to start next. Excellent, excellent, Mr. Brennan. Uh, I have just started the Legend of Charlie Fish. Oh, that's an Josh excellent Roundtree. book. 
It's excellent. I'm only about 30 pages into it, but it's weird as you like. Um, you know, I, I think it was Lansdale on the front says the Black Lagoon meets the Six Gun Universe, and you get 20 pages in, and you're like, oh, yep, that's it. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a super fun book. Yeah, He's I'm enjoying it so far. She stole mine. <laughs> yep. Um, and I also just started uh, Whale Fall by Daniel Krauss, and uh, I'm about 50 pages into that one, and it's it's awesome so far. It absolutely flies. Um, the uh, if you don't know the premise of that one, it's he he wrote it as what if a scuba diver got swallowed by a sperm whale, um, but with like an entirely scientific basis. So I mean, down to the fact that their stomach is about the size of a sleeping bag, and um, just the 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 kind of almost one hundred twenty seven hours of of it all. Um, but it's it's written with these short, sharp chapters, these, you know, borderline fragmented sentences. Even when you do flashbacks, it's still like just like punch, punch, go. Um, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Patrick, oh, how about you? All right. You know, I said you stole mine, you son of a bitch. That's the one I just started. So I'm not even 30 pages in. But yeah, Lansdale on the cover. Yeah, I, I, I got to give it good faith. So sounds like it's good. It's weird. It's Western. Uh, Chad, where can people follow you? Uh, just go to chadlitsky.com and I got links to the dreaded social media stuff there. Um, contact information, uh, links to where you can buy just about everything I've put out. Nice. Same question for you, Mr. John Bowden. Um, I'm just most of the social medias I'm on there. I'm easy to find. Uh, Candice Nola. I can find me on Uncomfortably Park and all over Twitter, TikTok, um, Instagram, all that under me. That's it. Ray Lafaro. Yeah, that name on all most platforms. Still not on the TikToks. You can find Deadhead Space on pretty much all the other platforms and me, PR McDonough. Um, and final thoughts. We'll start with you, John Bowden. Um, I don't I don't really know. I'm really tired and I'm <laughs> not thinking very clearly. Um That was perfect, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really no. Hey, Chad brought it up earlier. You abruptly cut off someone and it serves a comedic <laughs> purpose. <laughs> Final thoughts. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could tell people I've got a book coming out next month. I, I think on the 15th. Hmm. It's up for pre-order. pre-order. I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that it's up for pre-order, but I know people have been buying it. It's called How the Skin Sheds. And it's a Western on um, being published by Dead Sky. Nice. And then um, Cemetery Dance is publishing. Shit, I could have done that in my window too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Cemetery Dance is publishing my super sad body horror coming of age uh, book on January 1st called Bruises on a Butterfly. And then I think in January or February or something is. The Bedmakers by the amazing John Bowden and me. Then John, you have that's got a book coming out. Yeah, Snarl's coming out in September, finally. Yes. That's a funny and fun title. Snarls. Snarl. Oh, Snarl. And if you like Onion, you'll like Snarl because they operate in the same sort of atmosphere. Snarl's probably John's best book. Other than bed makers. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, Candace, um, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, just always happy to be here. <laughs> um, Chad, th- this was actually really great. You're amazing to just listen to. Oh, and I really like that you don't just give like one or two lines, just, oh, okay, here's my answer and I'm done. Like you, really go all in, which is what I really like. Like when I listen to anything along these lines of an interview, some 
someone, I want to know like what's going on inside their brain. I don't want that standard, like one line answer. This is the generic answer. And I really like that you went just all in with each one of them. So thank you. Thank you. I will tell my wife that so she can leave me alone about how I talk too much. <laughs> I thought it was great. So. Thank you. Um, Brian, final thoughts. Uh, I am very appreciative of everyone's time um, at, you know, it's, it's, it's late on a weeknight and thank you everybody for staying up with us. Uh, people should absolutely pre-order those books we mentioned, but they, you know, in the meantime, uh, read the pale white read of foster homes and flies read skull face boy for John read walk the darkness down read spun gunion. They're great books for Candace read Bishop two. It's out now. And if you didn't read the first one, read the first one. <laughs> Damn. And if you want Brian LaFargo, uh, just kidding. Faro. Uh, hey, that's not yours. That's a giveaway copy. He said I could have it. <laughs> illusions of isolation it's a collection it just came out it's a really cool cover by matt wildeson um yeah it's brennan's first collection it's really good the first story is my favorite what's it about well buy it and you'll find out uh next episode is 202 with stacy wilson and candace nola and brennan lafargo and myself I forget who called you Lafargo, but it, it just popped in my head. It stuck, okay. apparently. Yeah. So thank you, Chad, Candace, John. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around. You made choices in the podcast. Thank you for picking us.